Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. I have three um, LDS authors that have written a new book called Cherish, The Joy of the Doctrine of Heavenly Mother. And these three authors are here to talk about this book that I'm very excited about. Um, In the show notes, we'll link to the book so that you can buy it and share it with others. The three authors that are on the podcast are joining me via Zoom. So you're going to hear one male voice. That's me, of course, but you're going to hear three female voices. So we'll try to help you kind of make sure you know who's you're listening to. We have Trina Cottle calling in via Zoom from Washington, D.C. Welcome to the podcast, Trina. Thank you. From Charleston, South Carolina, we have Ashley Carnicelli. Welcome to the podcast, Ashley. Thank you so much. And listeners, you you need to hear Ashley spell her first name so and your last name so everybody can <laughs> kind of get that right in their mind. Okay, so my first name is Ashley, A-S-H-L-I, and my last name, Carnicelli, is C-A-R-N-I-C-E-L-L-I. All right, so everybody (laughs) visualize that. And then joining us from Oregon, um, she also makes her home in India, is MacArthur Krishna. Welcome to the podcast, MacArthur. Thank you, thank you. Pleasure to be here. And spell your name for us. MacArthur, MC with the little line under it, right? That means that when my people came over, that the guy taking quick notes at immigration was was speeding up. But now we have a very distinct division between the Max and the Mick Arthurs. <laughs> so I'm of the Mick Arthur clan, last name Krishna, K-R-I-S-H-N-A. And um, um, let's thank you both. Let's go in the same order and just have um, you introduce yourselves Trina, will you go first so our listeners are familiar with you? I'm familiar with you because you've been, you've helped me so much on the books I've written. Um, but go ahead and introduce yourself. Sure. Um, my name is Trina Cottle. I live in the D.C. area. Um, I am more of an editor than an author, and I have worked with Richard on all three of his books. Um, really privileged to work with him and get that awesome material out. I keep calling them the handbook for building Zion. Um, And I also write for the LDS Women Project. And I'm a mother of five girls. And I got a degree in history and journalism from Western Oregon University. So I grew up out West and moved to DC about 20 years ago, met my, I, I came out here for a year, um, met my husband five days later and never moved back out West. And uh, what are the age range of your five daughters? My oldest is 17 and the youngest is 10. Okay. Well, you may keep talking about daughters, listeners. Thank you, <laughs> Trina. Ashley, you're next. So I'm Ashley Carnicelli. I live in Charleston, but I'm from Boston originally. I have four daughters. Um, My degree is actually in vocal performance. I have my bachelor's degree in music from the Boston Conservatory. So I was an opera singer until my husband came home and told me he wanted to be a doctor. (laughs) 
And so this is actually my first book um, that I have ever worked on um, or authored, but I have written, I wrote an essay for the LDS Women's Project. I have written essays and poetry for Work and Wonder magazine. I have a newsletter that goes out um, bi-monthly where I just basically bear testimony of Christ. I'm a convert to the church and I've been a member for almost six years this December. And I am just so happy to be here. Thank you, Ashley. Um, what that's a whole podcast just in your in your life right there. Um, <laughs> all three of you, but just where you are right now and what you did in Boston and your musical work and now being an author and a mom and joining the church. Listeners will link to, to your newsletter in our show notes if people want to um, connect with Ashley. We'll put a link to so you can access uh, to where to sign up for her newsletter. Is that okay, Ashley? Yeah, that'd be wonderful. Thank you. All right. We're making our West Coast turn to Oregon, MacArthur. <laughs> well, you're going to actually have to turn the other direction because <laughs> I grew up in West Virginia. <laughs> and so we're going to have to head East East Coast again. Um, but I was raised in the East by both parents from the West. And so I was raised by Saturday morning, my mom entering my bedroom singing the Cougar Fight song. Like, rise and shout, it's time to do your chores, right? <laughs> and so, um, even though I was raised on the East Coast, I was heavily indoctrinated that BYU was the place I was going to go. So, um, I have an undergrad and master's degree from BYU, also, like you, in marketing and communications. Um, and interestingly enough, I also have a patriarchal blessing that tells me I am to use communications to help my brothers and sisters along the path of life. And so um, I would say that I do lots of different, I'm anxiously engaged. I firmly believe in being anxiously engaged as we're taught. Um, I'm actually engaged in lots of different projects and books. Um, this is 18th or 19th book, I can't remember. Um, but for me, it's a matter of I sincerely believe we're given talents to, to bless. And so it's a blessing to me to get to use my talents. Using talents and developing talents is joyous. Um, and I think it's good that we offer up our talents to other folks as well. Um, how many kids do you have? I have three kids, all daughters. You've, you've picked up on the theme here. We all have daughters. Um, so mine range from 20 to seven. My oldest is at New York University studying film. My middle daughter is in India. And my youngest daughter is causing havoc here. <laughs> I think that's 12 daughters between the three of you. Did we do that math? My gosh. That's <laughs> Five, four, and three. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, I love hearing women's stories because often we're if I went back to high school and you were thinking about your lives and now that you're further on in your lives, it may have turned out a little different, but it's beautiful. And the things you're doing are courageous and groundbreaking and needed. And I think I want, I love that that helps younger Latter-day Saint women and men sort of have vision for their future that they may not know exactly how things are going to work out, but there's principles you applied in your lives and doors open, and you're able to accomplish things. And um, so thank you. Um, talk about this book. Uh, um, one of you take the lead and tell us the name of the book and 
and just um, how it came about. Ashley, you should start. You're the one okay. that started. Ashley's the one who started this whole thing. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. So the book is called Cherish, and we have compiled poetry, artwork, short essays, quotes from general authorities, um, all on based within the framework of the Gospel Topics essay, Mother in Heaven. And the book came about, um, it was a prompting I got during the pandemic shutdowns. I started engaging on Instagram with the Heavenly Mother space and the content and all the poetry and the artwork. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is amazing. And, you know, I am a classical singer. I love the arts. I love creating art. I love seeing what other people create. And so I said, oh my gosh, I... I want to create a book. Like I need to compile a book. And it first started out as a poetry book. That was my first idea. And the Holy Ghost kept saying, reach out to MacArthur Krishna. Now, meanwhile, we did not know each other. This is like DM, like slide into MacArthur's DMs, you know? <laughs> I was like, no, like, are you kidding me? No way. She's not going to want to talk to me. She's written the girls and boys guides. Like she's so accomplished. No way. There's no way. So I, I, I kept, you know, saying, no, thank you to the Holy Ghost. And finally I said, okay, fine, I will do it. So I reached out. And so we talked on the phone and MacArthur said, let's give it 24 hours. Let's pray about it. She literally, I was in the temple praying about it, getting the answer. And she's calling me. My Fitbit showed me that she was calling me. So when I was in the celestial room, I'm so sorry if I cry, it's just so tender. The answer I got back was, write the books, do the things, just make sure you're still pointing people to Christ. And so I, as soon as I got in my car, I called MacArthur and she said, wow, I got the same. <laughs> I basically got the same because we wanted to make sure we were both felt that it was inspired that we worked together. And then we brought, um, Trina was so loving and gracious and offered to just start with doing the indexing because we had so many, so much content. Um, and that, that turned into something beautiful where it was like, no, we actually, we need her ideas and her input and her amazing talent and her skills and her writing and her thoughts. <laughs> so then it was all three of us together in this beautiful boat. <laughs> and the other side of that story is I had been thinking about, hmm, so this is why you shouldn't ignore the Holy Ghost, right? Like this is, this is just, I mean, let's just, let's just put that as one of the key bullet points of the, of the podcast. <laughs> I, um, run around and do lots of firesides, um, talking and I begun to have this feeling that I didn't want Heavenly Mother to become this topic that was only discussed by certain people, Right that this was something that w was beginning to feel like a topic, that there was a cadre of people talking about it. And I thought to myself, how do we democratize this? How do we remind everyone that our mother in heaven is all of our mother in heaven, right? Like this is all something that should matter to us. How do we, how do we expand the tent here? And it kept coming back to me that we should invite people to share with us. So I had this idea in my mind that we, I wanted to invite people to share, um, right. As you know, Ashley got a hold of me and said, 
hey, I have this idea for a poetry book. And I said, hey, I have this idea for a sharing book. You know, and what is this, what does this possibly look like? Um, and then Trina got her prompting. So I don't know if you want to tell the story from your side, Trina, but then she got a prompting to, to jump on in. Um, my prompting was, well, first of all, God talks to us through Instagram, really. Because I, I had never met Ashley. I didn't know who she was. Um, I had worked a little bit with MacArthur through the LDS Women Project. And so that's why I was following MacArthur on Instagram. And I saw MacArthur and Ashley do a combined post of requesting submissions for a poetry book, because it was still a poetry book at that point. And it was one of those times when the spirit grabs me. You get promptings. I get them in different ways. I've had this one a couple of times, so I recognized it. The spirit like takes me by the shoulders and turns me and points and says, go that way right now. Go do that. And it was it was that when I saw this post from MacArthur and Ashley. And I was like, well, I'm not a poet. I'm not. I'm, I'm more of an essay writer when I write. I'm an editor. So I just sent MacArthur a DM that said, um, can my contribution be that I'll be the editor? And five minutes later, my phone rang and it was MacArthur. And she's like, let's do this. She's like, what do you got? What can you give me? I was like, well, I can index it. Um, so thank you, Richard, because indexing your books meant I could index MacArthur's book. Um, and, 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 and then it went, it went from there and, and eventually you know, they, they brought me in as a, as a full partner in the project rather than they would do all the work and then I would just index it. I, I was brought in as a full partner. So, and I appreciate that too, because it's been a really interesting experience to work the three of us together because we all have completely different skill sets. Well, that's um, what I was going to say. Isn't it amazing? So like Ashley actually always says that her superpower is that she's a golden retriever right? That she's like, she meets everybody and she's immediately their best friend, right? And so like, she had to have that kind of enthusiasm and energy and shamelessness to like be able to reach out to anyone to like get this project moving even from the beginning, right? And then I bring to the table different things. And Trina brings to the table this like super keen mind who's going to keep us on track, whether we want to be on track or not, right? And so Trina just has this a great ability to like, me and Ashley, who seem to, you know, wiggle around. I'm making twinkly fingers, which you won't be able to see on a podcast, right? But like, I should I have these like twinkly fingers going on of like, how about this? And how about this? Right. And what about this idea? And so to have someone who's like, no, no, we're going to get it together is an incredibly powerful talent to bring to the table. So I think it's, it's one of those beautiful things when you see the spirit move each of us in a different way to get us to to a point where we can, you know, form this triumvirate to tackle this project. So it's been powerful. Thank you. Talk about why the book is named Cherish. MacArthur, you. <laughs> um, one of my favorite parts about the Gospel Topics essay is that it says that Heavenly Mother is a cherished and distinctive doctrine of Latter-day Saints. And I take that very literally. 
when we cherish something, we honor it. We celebrate it. We feel joy in it. We, we delight in it. And so for me, um, when we were talking about how we wanted to frame the book around the gospel topics essay, and we can get into that because there's some important reasons we made that decision. But it just, I thought, what do we, what do we want to title this that really encapsulates the feeling of what we want to celebrate here? And that to me was cherish. I think it's also important to note that in the essay, cherished and distinctive doctrine, cherished is used as an adjective. We it as the title of the book as a verb. Cherish, we want that to be an action, not just a descriptor. That's great. <laughs> yes. Um, I love... You know, culturally, and we can get into this, I think people are nervous about talking about Heavenly Mother. Elder Renlund gave a talk um, talking about Heavenly Mother, and I agreed with everything he said. Um, but I'm nervous that it, one of the takeaways is I, as a rank-and-file member, am more nervous about talking about Heavenly Mother since his talk, because I'm not quite sure what I'm supposed to or not supposed to talk about. And I, I, I don't think that was the intent of his talk, but, and I'm not even sure what I just said is true, but I felt it maybe just in with my own DNA or the culture of our ward and, and some of the feelings. So I don't know if that's a tangent, potentially. I don't know if you want to talk about that or stay focused on the sure. content of the book. No, I think it's an important question. So um, let's back up for half a second Good. before Alder Renlund's talk. Good. So um, when I was working on the Girls Who Choose God series with Desert Book, um, I was lucky enough to work with the church historians. They're amazing. Um, and so I developed a relationship with them when we were working on um, Girls Who Choose God, the church history women. And so when we started to think about doing our Girls Guide to Heavenly Mother and Boys Guide to My Heavenly Mother, both of those are at Desert Book. When we started talking about doing those, we obviously realized that there was this taboo around talking about Heavenly Mother. And when I now go around and I do firesides about Heavenly Mother, it's super interesting. I always kind of do a casual poll of the audience and say, how many of us are raised with this taboo? How many of us were taught that Heavenly Mother was too sacred to talk about, or we didn't know enough, or Heavenly Father needed to protect her? And it is 90% of the room raises their hand. 90% of us were raised with this idea, at least in the continental U.S., not true abroad, totally different, totally different numbers abroad. Um, and so what was interesting is we went to the church historians and we said, where did this come from? And being superhero historians, they're able to track back and figure out the first person, maybe not who'd come up with the idea, but the first person who'd propagated the idea. And it was a California seminary teacher who started spreading this idea, this, this taboo idea, and it took off. And I think it took off because it kind of fit the zeitgeist of that time, right? So when we don't know something, we speculate. And when we speculate, it, um, we try to fill in the gaps with something that we don't know. So Elder Renlin, actually, in his talk, warned about speculation. This is one of the dangers of speculation. When that California seminary teacher was speculating about why we don't talk about Heavenly Mother, he started propagating things that are simply not true, right? 
So the power of Elder Renlund's talk is that it negated so many of these false assumptions. So one, this concept we couldn't talk about her, well, Elder Renlund just did across the pulpit in general conference. Good point. So of course we're allowed to talk about her. Our general authority just talked about her, right? Two, he laid down that it's a cherished and distinct doctrine, right? Saying that this is that this is the gospel topics essay, Mother in Heaven is our doctrine, was a huge moment in the church. So, for instance, when we were working on the Girls and Boys Guides to Heavenly Mother, our um, translator um, was from Ecuador when we, tra- when we translate them into Spanish. So, anyone who speaks Spanish, those are available for free. And um, our translator said that people in her country weren't even aware that this was our doctrine. So, they were not raised with that taboo. They were raised with the absolute lack of a mother. And so, all of the sudden, in general conference, we're celebrating we have a mother. We're celebrating that this is our truth. We're celebrating that we can teach this. So now when we do lessons in Relief Society and Elders Quorum and we pick general conference talks, we can pick Elder Renlund's talk and we can talk about what we know about Heavenly Mother. So for me, you know, it was this very um, joyous moment that we got to celebrate that we had a mother, that people all over the world. So I lived in India for eight years. So having the truth of a Heavenly Mother eradicates all sorts of cultural hogwash that we've carried with us. This truth takes care of so many difficult things that women around the world are facing. So from my standpoint, it is such a gift to the world, that general conference talk. And so while there may be some who took it in a different flavor, I think the amount of good, the amount of, of, um, it was just amazing. I was so grateful for Elder Renlund and his um, and his ability to discuss our doctrine. That was great, MacArthur. And the context and the historical and the work you've done and your connection to the church history department is very helpful. Listeners will link to um, these guides that MacArthur has mentioned in the show notes, um, The Girls and the Boys' Guide to Heavenly Mother. I think those are two different books. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. But, you know, I love what you just said about Elder Renlund, that, you know, it does give us permission to talk about it, it does give us permission to have an Elder's Quorum lesson or um, bring quotes from his talk into our talks or our discussions or social media. Um, mm-hmm. That's really a wonderful way to look at that. And that's true. And well, President Nelson has said, Jesus Christ puts us on the covenant path back to our heavenly parents. Right? So Jesus Christ is a vital gateway there, but the end goal is to be back with our heavenly family. And our heavenly family is Christ and heavenly father and heavenly mother. And that is worth celebrating. Any more from Trina or Ashley around this topic right now before we move to like, what are the chapters of the book? Um, when Elder Renlin gave his talk, um, I did go look at the essay. I, I actually don't think I had read it prior to that. And so when I read it, I was like, well, this is really short. Um, but then I, and, and I was kind of disappointed in that, but I have this mental picture that came to mind immediately um, of when I was back in high school, I was on the track team running the stopwatch for the sprinters. 
And um, the sprinters have these starting blocks where their foot is at a 45 degree angle. Their rear end is sticking straight up in the air. They're balanced on their fingers and on their toes up against these starting blocks. And if you're not set on the starting block correctly, you will launch straight onto your face. Um, and so I had this picture and I was like, well, that's a weird picture to have to do with this essay. Um, but it was, the spirit prompted me, the insight was the gospel topics essay for me is the starting block. And I need to study the essay to learn more about Heavenly Mother, and that's my starting block. And so I'm like, all right, I'll look a little more closely at the essay. So I did look closely at the essay, and I start, oh, I'm like, oh, this sentence has a doctrine, and this sentence has a doctrine. And then you start looking at the footnotes. There are 17 footnotes on that essay of scriptures, general conference talks, and historical documents, um, including the 2010 BYU paper titled A Mother There where they did historical research and found like six, 700 quotes from general authorities. Oh, and one thing about that, Trina, one thing about that I forgot to mention is in the footnotes, that document that you just mentioned, they recorded that no prophet or apostle had ever said we shouldn't speak of her. So I forgot to mention that when I was talking about that taboo. Sorry, this is MacArthur. When I was talking about that taboo, I forgot to mention that this taboo came to be not because our prophets and apostles had ever told us this. That was something that was made up. And so I think that's a really important point of one of the things that we learned from the gospel topic, topics essay. So, yeah. So, so I, I started going through the footnotes. It's been over a year that I've been going through these footnotes and I'm still reading them. So there's a lot more there than at first glance would meet the eye. I love the starting block analogy, Trina. Ashley, do you have any thoughts on this topic? So there's so much to ponder within that essay. Um, but I think for me, you know, I'm a convert to the church. I was baptized at 35 when I was pregnant with my third daughter. Wow. I was Catholic, you know, I was Catholic forever. And, you know, when I was a little girl, um, you know, our, the Catholic order of prayer is different than Latter-day Saints. And so Catholics pray to saints, to Jesus Christ, to Heavenly Father, to Mary, right? So when I was a little girl and I was six years old and I would lay down in bed at night and say my prayers, I would pray to Jesus and I would pray to God and I would pray to Mary. But I always felt that it wasn't necessarily Mary that I was praying to. I always felt like no, it's God, but it's a female God. Like it's it's God as female. Um, and so, and I just sort of tucked that away in my heart. And I always sort of thought that. And so whenever, you know, I would go to mass and I would see the statues of Mary, I, I felt like I could connect, but it was, there was something. Um, it wasn't quite, that wasn't, she didn't quite encapsulate what I was feeling I was connecting with. And so I was in the investigator class and we literally opened the class singing, Oh, my father and the lyrics, you know, truth is reason, truth eternal tells me I have a mother there. And I turned to my friend who was my new friend, you know, in the church. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. We believe we have a heavenly mother. 
And she said, oh, yes, we do. And it was like all the bells went off in my head. And I said, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it all along. (laughs) I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be because I knew this. I knew this truth. Um, And so to even just have an essay is so, and, and to have Elder Renlund say that we have a Heavenly Mother, to have her be acknowledged in these six to 700 quotes by general authorities is enormous to me. So much to, to be joyful about. <laughs> I wish you could all see Ashley's face as she talks and all three of these women. Um, I love that song, Ashley, but I will always remember you. Um, my Catholic investigator friend always feeling a connection to the female divine or the heavenly mother and, and recognizing that was in some ways Mary for you, but not quite completely that way. And sitting in, I just have to, as you know, better than I do, God's hand to bring those lyrics out in a Sunday school class. That's a little unusual. Um, I love that song too. I've loved that song for as long as I can remember. And that specific verse you've referenced, it just feels right to me and the importance to have a heavenly mother. I'd love someone to go, I love the way you've structured this book around the gospel topic essays, essay on heavenly mother. Does someone want to go through the 12 chapters of the book to give our listeners an idea? Sure. I think Trina should go through, but we should say one thing. We'd actually started this book before Elder Renlin gave his talk. Um, so people had submitted lots of different pieces and then it was Trina's idea after the talk. And after she got this, um, inspiration, um, about the starting block idea, she said, we could, should organize all of this around the doctrine we have, the doctrine that we're celebrating on the gospel topics essay. So while this may be a topic that makes people, um, they, we still carry some of that residual skittishness. Um, we should be clear that all of these, um, creations that these women have done, mostly women, two men, um, have done, have been around the gospel topics essay, that this is very much in line with the church's teachings, intentionally so. Um, for for the, the book structure, how it's laid out in the book is you'll have a chapter title and then a quote directly from the gospel topics essay, and then the poetry and art and things like that that connect back to that quote. So the chapters are beloved spirit children, a cherished and distinctive doctrine, a mother there, side by side, divine nature and destiny, working together, designers of the divine plan, influences from beyond, connection, eternal prototype, sacred knowledge, and highest aspiration and then we have our introduction um which talks about following the savior and then our conclusion is titled a celebration of joy because that's ultimately what we want this to be um I have a, what's on your mind well sometimes i don't ask a question in the podcast i just trust that my listeners or my guests I feel a prompting to share something. So that was great, Trina, and I love the way the book's organized. So any of you could just go share what you want to share. So I'll go ahead and start. What? 
I said, each of us have a different favorite, so we should just all do our favorite. Trina, go. <laughs> Since I was already talking. Um, the chapter titled Connection, that actually is not a word in the document. That was where it says, um, we do not pray to Heavenly Mother. We direct our prayers to Heavenly Father in the name of Christ. And we've had people ask us, well, then how do I connect with Heavenly Mother if I'm not praying? Um, and I had an experience um, as a missionary. Um, shortly before my mission, um, I had a friend who died in a car crash. And he um, was a friend I'd known my whole life. And when I went on my mission, he basically went with me. Um, there were a lot of discussions I had where people would ask if they were a little crazy for going to the cemetery and feeling the presence of their deceased loved one. Um, and I was like, no, that's not crazy. We totally believe that. I have a friend who died in a car crash last year and, and I feel his presence with me. And sometimes his presence was so strong in those discussions that my companion could tell he was there. Um, we left one discussion where we had talked about um, my friend who had passed and the investigator had a family member who had passed and you know we were able to provide comfort for them. And then when we left, my companion was like, he was there, wasn't he? I was like, yeah, yeah, he was. And then after my mission, I he, he was gone doing his, his own thing. And so, if I can feel the presence of a human being, surely I can feel the presence of a divine one, even when I'm not connecting in prayer. Um, I feel Heavenly Mother's presence when I see flowers and I garden. Um, there are a number of experiences shared in the book that are very tender of women feeling the presence of Heavenly Mother when they have a miscarriage or when they lose their infant to, to death. Um, some of them through their, through childbirth and raising their, you know, I, I can't deal with this two-year-old. Um, they feel heavenly mother's presence. Um, so there are lots of ways that we can feel her presence and connect with her. Even if we, we are not actually engaging in prayer with her. MacArthur, you're nodding. Go ahead. I'm nodding because I love what you're saying. <laughs> I think. Our Heavenly Mother is a divine being who loves us. And um, and that means that there's so many ways that we can um, benefit from that. So I am a very practical person. Like I want practical application. And so one of the things that I love about the Gospel Topics essay is that I love it gives practical ways to apply this doctrine to my life. And we're going to be on another podcast down the road to talk about one of the other books where you've worked on with that. Um, it's the couple's guide in making, in the image of our heavenly parents, uh, making a more divine marriage. And um, you can link that into the notes too, and that'll be a whole different podcast. But for me, I was reading through the Gospel Topics essay after Elder Renlund's talk. Like, okay, this is our doctrine. What do we have here? What do we know? How can we apply it? Because truth blesses lives if we apply it. We can talk about tithing all day long, but if we don't pay our tithing, then we're not going to get the blessing. And so I thought, this is our doctrine. How do we apply this? So one of the things that I love so much about the Gospel Topics essay is the application 
of men and women working together. And it talks about Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother are side by side. It says they work together for the salvation of the human family. Elder Ballard is quoted as saying, we're part of a design plan, divine plan designed by heavenly parents. And so what I loved is when I was reading this, even though I'd read it for the Girls and Boys Guides when we were working on it, something new struck me. And I thought, wait a second, we need to be taking this doctrine and applying it to how our marriages work, how our institutions work, how the world works. Like, I think it's really fascinating. Valerie Hudson has done work on doing research on how women are treated in different countries and countries that treat women more equitably as far as being able to vote, have a job, get educated, drive a car, own property, have a bank account. So in America, a woman could not have a bank account until 1974, right? So we're not that far away from a period of time where a woman could not function as her own sovereign being. And so having the Gospel Topics essay explain to us that men and women are to work together, what's fascinating is Valerie Hudson's research found that countries did better. They had higher GDPs, lower rates of war, lower rates of disease. When we follow the model of our heavenly parents, when we follow divine model, things work better. And so I looked at the Gospel Topics essay, Mother in Heaven, and thought, okay, how can I apply this to my life? How can I benefit from the divine plan. Ashley, Europe, what's your favorite? Yeah. Oh, my favorite is divine nature and destiny. The reason is because I feel like the more I understand about Heavenly Mother, the more I understand the Savior. And the more I understand the Savior, the more I understand about Heavenly Mother. And it, and on and on. Um, when I started having children and these girls kept coming, <laughs> I thought, okay, the Lord is trying to, to tell me something. There is something that I really need to make sure I teach them and I emphasize in them that I give them this sense of divine self-worth, that they are created in the image of God, that there is feminine in that image. Um, but also, I think a lot about Christ's ministry and how he, even, I mean, golly, just, just from a cultural standpoint, just the fact that he would speak to women, him speaking to the Samaritan woman at the well, and he, she was the first woman that he revealed that he was the Messiah to, and he knew that she would, she would tell everyone, and how he treated women, how he valued women, and also when he spoke he he balanced his parables both from a masculine perspective and a feminine perspective he talked about being like a hen gathereth her chickens that's a very feminine language to use for a man you know and so what i thought about was when my girls started talking um they would say something say like just say these little idiosyncratic phrases like you like, you really like that, huh? You know, like, oh, you really like strawberries, huh? And I turned to my husband, I'm like, where did she learn how to say that? And he was like, you say that all the time. <laughs> I was like, I do? <laughs> I had no idea. And so when I thought about, oh my gosh, when I study the scriptures and I read Christ's words in his ministry, I wonder 
how much of his language and how much of what he's saying did he learn from her? I just can't help but wonder that. Um, and so I just love knowing that we as women are valued by the Savior, by our heavenly parents. We have a place, we have an eternal destiny, and we are just so loved. And I just, I, I almost can't even fathom what it's going to be like when we are on the other side of the veil and we see her, when we see her face. <laughs> These are just beautiful segments. Um, I love this idea of the, you know, this isn't just theoretical that we have a heavenly mother there. I'm a marketing guy, MacArthur, so I'm thinking of your benefits, you know, statement of, you know, her presence, her existence brings benefit to our lives now. Um, any more thoughts on just how to access heavenly mother and the blessing she can be and will be in our lives. You've given some examples, but any, because I, I really love the idea. I love Ashley's conversion story. My, my testimony largely resides on the unique doctrine that came through the restoration, including priesthood keys, modern day prophets who hold those keys. But for me, a lot of it is the unique doctrine, including Heavenly Mother, um, that really resonated with you in that class. So. That's just a comment, but back to the question, just we have the, we know we have a um a heavenly mother, an equal co-creator, and that's but talk more about the benefits to men and women in the church knowing that. And I think one of the things you said is we role model then equality because our feeling about the divine is equality. You're equal partners in a lot of the quotes you've mentioned. Um as we see them that way, society's modeling that do better, families doing better. So maybe that's one of the benefits is I, as a priest presiding, whatever language we use for men um, in the homes, it's an equal partnership. Um, so that's maybe a benefit is we do better as parents um, because we're modeling equality, not, and we're hopefully doing it in real. But that's kind of a long, anybody want to run with more with the benefits? I have one thought. I think a lot about our LGBTQ siblings. And I think that, and I'm sorry, it's just so tender. I just, I love so many people who are in that community, family members too. And I just think about how this doctrine creates some more inclusion. It creates when we have women. Um, and we can see ourselves in her image. There just is just, it just broadens the spectrum. There is more inclusion. And I think about a mother's love and how a mother's love is unconditional. It just is unconditional. It's let me, tell me what it's like to be you. Let me see you as you are. Let me love you as you are. Um, and so I just, I love knowing that having that peace and having that, knowing we have that maternal love, we don't have all the answers. We have a lot of the answers, but we do not have all of the answers. Um, and just knowing that there is at least more possibility, um, applying that really just brings my heart so much joy and so much 
hope for the ones I love that may feel like they're not sure quite where they fit right now. I love that, Ashley. Um, I've been scrolling on my, I have a split screen on my computer, and I've been scrolling up and down through the document of the manuscript. And going along with what Ashley just said, we have this quote from Spencer W. Kimball that says, God is your father. He loves you. He and your mother in heaven value you beyond any measure. You are unique, one of a kind, made of the eternal intelligence, which gives you claim upon eternal life. Let there be no question in your mind about your value as an individual. The whole intent of the gospel plan is to provide an opportunity for each of you to reach your fullest potential, which is eternal progression and the possibility of godhood. We're all Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother's children. All of us are unique, whether we're LGBTQ or, or any racial minority or anything we are all children of god and i think that is the most important thing to know about heavenly father and heavenly mother together is whatever happens to us in the next life we all have a mom and dad who love us and care for us and are god so in sunday school um two weeks ago i got this like zing kind of brain thought arrive and the teacher was explaining how christ had just healed the lepers a leper and then he sent him back to the synagogue and the teacher asked and said why would he have sent him back like he has already been made clean and then the teacher explained that the synagogue was the place the man would go to be basically certified, right? That that there's no higher authority than Christ, of course, on the earth, but that in sending him back to the human construct of a synagogue, Christ was saying like, they're going to sign off on you. And then the rest of your community will know you're clean and you can rejoin the community. And this hit my brain just with this amazing like flash of Christ is the highest authority and power on the earth, and yet he worked within the constraints of a human construction. So this world we're living in is not the highest authority or power, right? We're living in a world made by humans who are doing their best. I give people the benefit of the doubt, right? That we're all doing our best, but then nothing we do will possibly be perfect right? Nothing we create will possibly be perfect. We're all living within the confines of human constructs that then we're trying to figure out. But I think as we're trying to figure out these human constructs and how divinity and construct play together, the clarity of having parents who love us is preeminent, right? Our parents loved us so much that they designed a plan according to the Gospel Topics essay, to send their son down and die for us so that we could become like them. The Gospel Topics essay says by Elder Oaks, our our theology begins with heavenly parents. Our highest aspiration is to be like them. Them. 
And so if we, as children of God, are progressing on this life and we turn to our brother to help us manage whatever it is we're facing, we need to have a vision, a vision of who we can become and a vision of where we're going. And knowing that our heavenly parents are who we can become like, that that is our eternal destiny, that that is where we're headed, I think is one of the most stabilizing and reassuring and swaddling possibilities. So to me, the most important thing someone could take away from our book or the Gospel Topics essay or this truth is you are loved. You have a mother who loves you. And there's no Greek God squabbling between Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother and Jesus about who's more preeminent, right? This is our Heavenly Family who wants us to come home. And to me, that is something that is joyous. A Heavenly Family is something worth celebrating. And having a mother as part of that family feels, as Trina said, we don't know how it's all going to work for different people, but we all came from a heavenly father and a heavenly mother. That's joy. That was uh, some beautiful segments, MacArthur. Your concluding segment um, was really moving. You have a way with vocabulary, stabilizing, swaddling. You just. Um, I don't even know if those are, ver- my wife laughs at me because I still don't know the difference, you know, verb and a noun and adverb and an adjective. adjective that's but- why we have Trina. <laughs> yes, I was going to say, that's why we have Trina. <laughs> I know. That's why our household growing up, we have my wife. Um, but the vocabulary you use is so, it just, you do such a great job of helping me visualize Heavenly Mother and the uniqueness of our restored doctrine and the stabilizing in a really tough world that I have heavenly parents that love me and I'm intentionally created and my life has meaning and I am loved because of that. It's not earned. It's not mm-hmm. transactional. It's mm-hmm. just there because I'm literally their spirit son. And so that's very stabilizing just, and very swaddling. Very swaddling, right? <laughs> so just this morning, before we got on this podcast, I always pray before I speak or before I'm on a podcast and I prayed and I said, dear father, we're going to go talk about your wife. I love that. (laughs) We're going to talk about our mother in heaven. Please help us be conduits so people can feel her joy. And it was amazing. I was standing in front of my, um, standing in front of my refrigerator. How's that for a place to pray, right? (laughs) I was standing in front of my refrigerator and I literally had this like whoosh of joy. And I thought, this is available to anyone who asks. Anyone who asks. And even, I don't know if we have time to get into it, but Trina says she didn't ask for Heavenly Mother. Heavenly Mother came for her. <laughs> um, but like, like, a mother's there regardless, whether or not you ask. But feeling that emotion of joy, that confirmation that this is joyous, l- literally just came to me again this morning as I was praying about um, this podcast. So, um, listeners, one of the things that I, one of the reasons I want to read this book is 
Trina made that, I think it was President Kimball quote that you read from the book. Um, I've never heard that. And so when I hear something like that, I'm recognizing this book has probably got the very best of, it's like an expanded version of the gospel topic essay. And just, I want to read this because then I want to come to Sunday school or I'm invited to give a talk. I can use a quote like President Kimball to talk about Heavenly Mother. And I'm, instead of sounding like I'm sort of going off on a tangent that some may be uncomfortable, but I'm using what President Kimball taught and and the doctrine that he taught to to help us do better in this space. So I think if you're giving a talk in church or a, or a family night or a family meeting, this book, I think, will be a great resource for all of us to better understand what our leaders have taught so that we can continue to teach the same things. I don't think Elder Renlund's talk was meant to stop talking about Heavenly Mother. And I think the three of you made that really clear. Um, I've thought about priesthood blessings, listeners, and I realize I'm the only male on the show right now that has given priesthood blessings. But as I give a blessing, I, I think we all know I'm not speaking for me. I'm speaking for Heavenly Father. But at times I've tried to be, I'm the voice of Heavenly Father, but at times I've tried to think about our Heavenly Parents as I've given that blessing and what they would want me to communicate to their um, daughter or son in that blessing. So um, I don't know if your book gets into that or if you've thought about that at all from a priesthood holder giving a priesthood blessing, acting as voice for Heavenly Father, but I often think about Heavenly Parents and our Heavenly Mother um, in giving that blessing. So that's maybe just an invitation for um, priesthood holders, as you're giving blessings, to visualize heavenly parents there. I think our doctrine is you're the voice for heavenly, our heavenly parents and their wishes for their child. And yes, I say heavenly father and that blessing, and I'm not ex- saying I shouldn't. Um, but I think um, I'm thinking about what both parents would want me to say for their child. Any thoughts on that? It's kind of a tangent. I don't know if You've thought about that before. If there's anything doctrinally that's a little yellow flaggish about what I just said, help me if there is. Um, I was recently set apart for a new calling. And in the blessing, um, I mean, it was addressed, you know, to Heavenly Father and all the proper verbiage to introduce the, the setting apart. But then in the blessing section, the bishop said more, a couple of times, your heavenly parents. And I had never had that happen before. And so if you're giving a priesthood blessing, you know, sure, you, you do the opening and the closing as is appropriate. But in the, in the center of the blessing, when you're talking directly to the person, if heavenly father has a message for the person, great, say heavenly father. But if heavenly parents have the, have the message for the person, I, I, I loved it that he said heavenly parents in the blessing. I had no idea that was even on my bishop's radar to, to use that type of vocabulary. But it meant a lot to me that he did say that. This is MacArthur. Um, one of the sections in the Gospel Topics essay, and hence one of the sections in our book, is Influences from Beyond. 
And the gospel topics essay specifically says that Heavenly Mother can influence from beyond. And so I think that having that testimony from the gospel topics essay means that um, you open an understanding of the correct order of the universe. Um, I love that. I love, we did a podcast and I mentioned this a little bit about a, a BYU law student and she was going into a situation she was a little uncomfortable about. She prayed to Heavenly Father. She felt okay going into the situation and then she was raped. And she talked about in this podcast, she felt some anger <laughs> towards Heavenly Father. Um and some period of reconstructing her relationship. But she talked in the podcast about she never had, I don't know quite the language to use. She didn't feel like Heavenly Mother. She felt more connected to Heavenly Mother during that period of healing. And the existence of a Heavenly Mother helped her through, I wouldn't call it a faith crisis or trauma, that rape was trauma, but it complicated for a period of time her relationship with Heavenly Father. Um, which healed over time. But I was just, it was fascinating for me to hear the importance of Heavenly Mother in her life. Um, and I share that, listeners, that that's maybe at true times for men and women um, to have the female divine, if I'm using appropriate language. Um, and we usually talk about Heavenly Parents as equals, but there may be times in our life when we feel like we need a mother a little bit more. Um, you women have had a combined 12 um, children. And I would just, my wife talks about her connection with Heavenly Mother um, as a mother. Um, so I think it's appropriate listeners. And I'd love if our guests have any to have at times recognize that people are going to have um, different relationships with Heavenly Parents that may help them through harder times. Any thoughts on any of that? Ashley. I, I have a thought because, you know, as I said before, I'm a convert and, you know, there was a lot that I didn't quite understand when I got baptized and I started to understand as I went on and then as I went through the temple, et cetera. But one thing that really sticks out to me is the day that I was confirmed with the Holy Ghost was I was baptized on a Thursday and I was confirmed on a Sunday during a sacrament meeting. and. I was very pregnant. And I was like, okay, that was interesting. I don't know. I don't really know quite what to make of that. You know, like all the brethren surrounding me and okay, all right, got it. I have the Holy Ghost, right? Don't really know what that means. Um, and then that night, um, I was sitting down at dinner with my family and I just heard clear as day, I'm here. And I was like, who's I'm? <laughs> And then it was like, oh, wait, this is the Holy Ghost. Like, that's what this is. Oh, my gosh. And then I had times where I don't want to take too much time, but I had times where I could, I was starting to discern when it was the adversary trying to imitate the Holy Ghost, when it was the actual Holy Ghost. And then as I went on, as the years have gone on, I can actually discern the different voices of the divine that I'm hearing. So Heavenly Mother came to me in 2020. I was 
stupidly spent way too much time on social media where people were arguing and I was like laying in bed with my righteous indignation, right? Like, you know, in my mind. And all of a sudden I just heard, it was like her voice, Ashley, you need to rest your brain. <laughs> like it's 2 a.m. <laughs> your kids are going to wake you up in four hours. <laughs> like you can't fix this. This is a big global problem. You cannot fix this right now at 2 a.m. from your bed. <laughs> so rest your brain and go to sleep. And so I think I know How that many mothers awesome. out there have said to their child, you have to go to totally, sleep. Totally. Like, go to sleep. I love you. Go to sleep. <laughs> I love you. Go to sleep. Um, and I know that that might not be everyone's experience with, you know, perceiving the Holy Ghost and hearing promptings and hearing guidance. But for me, it has been very clearly discernible. And that has been so beautiful as my as my willingness, because the, she's there, whether I'm aware or not, whether I am actually listening or not, she's there and she's speaking. But my willingness to be aware that it might be her this time, rather than Heavenly Father this time, or sometimes it's Jesus this time, right, um, has, has blessed my life so much. As MacArthur so beautifully said, that swaddling love knowing that I have that. That's actually something throughout the book is there are a number of experiences shared where someone says, this is where I felt heavenly mother different from heavenly father. And I think it's important to qualify it with, these are just people's personal experiences. Nobody's declaring doctrine. Nobody is, you know, we're not trying to speculate. It's just, this is my experience. And I've cried reading through this book. And I've read it like 50 times because I'm the one who put all of the pieces where they are. Um, but so many really tender experiences of this is when I felt Heavenly Mother. And I think we need to, when, when you're reading this, be aware of that, that somebody is sharing their heart and soul and not trying to stir up controversy. Somebody's just saying, hey, this is what I have. This is what happened to me. And, and I, my, my experience of when um, Heavenly Mother came for me instead of me seeking her out is in the book, too. So... I think that's a really good point, Trina, that we have a long-standing tradition. If I were a church historian, I'd know how long, but I'm not. Um, but we have a long-standing tradition of sharing testimony, of sharing spiritual experiences that close to our heart. I mean, Joseph Smith put us on a different trajectory when he said, I can go pray and I can go ask, right? The scriptures told him that he could get answers by going to God. And he did. And so from my standpoint, we have such a sacred opportunity to go have our own answers and our own experiences that we understand that we have structures and leaders to help us along the way, but that our relationship with deity is ours. It's our responsibility as well as our opportunity. And so to say that the people who've contributed their 
spiritual experiences, whether or not it's in paintings or art or little vignettes or stories. This is them sharing a sacred experience that they've had that they're willing to offer to us, to edify us. It's like a testimony meeting, right? Where you stand and you say, this is what I know. This is what I have experienced. This is how the divine has touched my life. And so the collection in this book is how divine has touched our lives. And I think that that um, should be treated, as Trina mentioned, with, with an understanding of its sacredness and an understanding that it's unique to every person. And perhaps you may say, I've never had that, or I don't believe it, or that's not how it feels like to me. And if someone has that feeling, then I would say, follow Joseph Smith and go have your own experience. Go get on your knees and have your own experience if you want to know what your heavenly mother feels for you, whether or not she exists, whether or not she's aware of you. Like, go tap into that um, that joy. And that's my biggest prayer for this book is that it's a source of testimony renewal for anyone who reads it, any gender, any affiliation, any person who reads it can say, I know that Jesus is the Christ. I know that he lives and I know that I have heavenly parents who love me. I love those words, testimony renewal, Ashley. I've just been moved in this podcast um, by the three of you and the work and the importance of Heavenly Mother in our lives and the existence of this book to help us connect better with Heavenly Mother and the benefits. And that is part of our doctrine as you three authors um, help us understand. So glad this book exists. What's the best way for people to get this book? We'll link to it in the show notes, but do you want to talk about how to get to it? Amazon. We will link to the Amazon link to the Amazon link. <laughs> Anything else anybody'd like to share before we end? Heavenly Mother is joy. It's an Heavenly Mother is hope. Heavenly Mother is hope. And Heavenly Mother is love. I kind of don't want to end. I just want to have you keep talking. I wish you could see these three women's faces. Um, I'm just so grateful. It's a, There's a whole story in the three of you coming together. I don't think two years ago you could imagine that you three would be writing this book. I love the principle of synergy as we can accomplish. The principle of synergy, the way I understand, is one plus one equals three. And I think that's the beauty of the gospel and acting on impressions and be able to accomplish things we couldn't accomplish alone. But I love the way the three of you complement each other and recognize each other's strengths to make things possible. I think that's the beauty, part of the beauty of the our community of Latter-day Saints is working together, um, creating synergy, being able to bless others. And I'm grateful that we have heavenly parents and a heavenly mother and um, and the stabilizing, swaddling, feeling um, testimony renewal that gives us. So um, Trina, thank you for joining us. MacArthur, thank you for joining us. Ashley, in the show notes, I'll link to the newsletter we referenced, the book. Also, the two books, Girls and Boys Guide to Heavenly Mother. I'll also link to their 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 Instagram account um, called Cherish Doctrine. 
with an E between cherish and doctrine. I don't think cherish, does cherish normally have an E? It's cherished. 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 Oh, it's, it's cherished doctrine. There's two D's there. Well, there you go. That makes perfect (laughs) sense. We'll link to that so you can um, connect with these three women and follow their Instagram page. Anyway, thank you, Ashley and MacArthur and Trina. And thank you, our listeners, for joining us on another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love. Mm